This morning, uh, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John, the fifth chapter, John 5, beginning at verse 1 through verse 15, this will be where we will try to uh, use as our backdrop and the main story for what I want to say today. Title-wise, I would call it probably your port or looking for your port. It may change it by different ways. But really what I want to speak on today is the opportunity that God gives you, the opportunity that you can have. And when I say a port, what I literally mean is in olden times, to, you would always wonder, well, how, why don't ships just sail in and destroy that city? Why don't ships just... Because what would happen is you would see how there would be a, a narrow area or a way of getting into a city from the sea. And unless you were from around there, you didn't know by the winds or the tide when your ship would be able to sail into port. In fact, a port means an opening, an opportunity. And so what would happen is is ships would many times be floating outside of a city waiting for the right time, waiting. So if if you were in that city and you saw these ships coming and they looked like they were no good, then you could prepare because they couldn't just sail in. They had to wait for the right time. They had to wait for the right season where the tide was high enough and you could sail into the port. And so when God looks at this, he says, listen, I do the same thing in your life I'm setting up opportunities and it's always on the right. It's always moving and it's fluent. Let me see if I can explain it this way. As we walk through this today, we're going to break it down into three different areas of opportunity when we talk about opportunity. But let's read the story and and that'll become our backdrop for what I want to say. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and the Jew- Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem uh, by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For the angel went down a certain time into the pool and, and stirred it up and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well and whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been in that condition for a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am, while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, who, who, who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. 
And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Opportunity is an incredible thing. In fact, let me give you just a few sayings about opportunity or these moments of your life. It says, God's best gifts are not things, but opportunities. the, The measure of your opportunity is always determined by the measure of your responsibility to it. Opportunity with ability creates duty. All these moments of opportunity, they sound more serious than what we a lot of times, oh, I had an opportunity. But many times we don't see it as a duty. We don't see it as a moment that we need to be serious or a moment that we need to try. One writer says it this way, opportunity sometimes has to kick a man before it can wake him up. Opportunity is an incredible moment in your life, but it also can be a discouraging moment in your life. Here's some others that said this, we all have the opportunity to make our choice. Now your choice reflects your character and your character reflects the spirit in you. And the spirit in you reflects your eternal destination. That's incredible. Many times when we're just making choices and and deciding things, we think it really doesn't matter, especially in our culture. I'll fix it later or or I'll just, it'll pass. I'll get over it later. But someone who understands opportunities, someone who is able to make the most of opportunities and people who are able to succeed in life or to create a destiny that you want, to finally be able to succeed, to find that place, it requires this mindset. Let's see that again. We all have the opportunity to make our choice. Now your choice reflects your character. And your character reflects the spirit that's in you. And the spirit in you reflects your eternal destination. Another one says it this way. We have opportunity all around us and our great opportunities that the Lord creates for us. Opportunities sometimes present themselves in garments of challenges. Those who take the challenge and respond to it appropriately, reap the benefits of their diligence. One of my favorite stories is Winston Churchill. He says it this way when talking about his life. Winston Churchill was once asked uh, what, what prepared him for the, to most speak against Hitler. Because you have to understand, it sounds like, well, during that time everybody was, but really it was not. During the time of Hitler, when he was first rising and taking one country after another country, England did not want any part of it. America did not want any part of it. They were like, well, that's happening way over there, and we don't care, and we're not going to get involved. So to talk about we need to fight them or we need to stop them, that was, that was basically political suicide. And one person asked him, so what gave Churchill the courage to stand up for a political establishment and to the political establishment, and Hitler himself. Repeating a grade in elementary school, he remarked. Repeating a grade in elementary school is what he remarked. One of the reporters says, you mean you failed a year in grade school? He was asked, 
Churchill said, I never failed anything in my life. I was just given a second opportunity to get it right. In other words, he understood opportunity, that nothing was wasted, nothing was, was just useless. And many times what causes us the problems and what, what prevents us from being able to be what we need to be is the fact that we waste so much. And we call them opportunities. They happen every day. Now let's look at this man that's in this story. And let me see if I can use it along with a couple other stories to be able to show you what I'm talking about. Three different things that you need to make the most of opportunity. Number one, you need to understand the importance of time. To really take advantage of opportunity, you must understand the importance of time. So let me give it to you this way. Opportunity, by definition, is this. It it is a favorable condition or circumstance. It is a time and a place. Here's some words you can use for opportunity. A chance, room, opening, occasion, a break, a way. A pass, a junction. And notice that every one of these things is usually almost always limited to some simple moment of time. It's limited to this one thing that we are stuck in called time. And most people don't understand time, so therefore they, they waste it. Let me, let me show it to you this way. Uh, people always ask, well, I, I, I'm struggling financially. I don't know how to get out of debt. Well, that's easy. You have time. You have time. But most of us are are too ignorant to understand it. And I don't want to say that a bad way, but we're just ignorant. Let me show you. You you decide you're going to go buy something. Because the, the world you live in is built off consumers. That's that's what they see you as, as a consumer. So understanding that, let's say you need a car. You go to the car lot, and you say, I need a car, okay? We've got a car right here, $25,000. Well, I don't have $25,000, no problem. Just simply give us a 1000 down. Well, I, I think I can scrounge it. I can borrow that from my mom. Good. Borrow a 1000 from your mom. Give us a $1,000. we will give you the keys to the car. We're going to put you on a six-year plan at... 8% interest. So you, by the end of six years, will have paid us nearly $57,000 for this car. Now, if you'd have walked up there and said, will you sell this car to me for $57,000? You would have thought you were ignorant. So that's why I tell some of you, you're ignorant. You wouldn't pay $57,000 for a car. I'll I'll take it to another level. Not only would you not pay $57,000 for the car, they put you on a six-year plan. How long is the car going to last? So within four to five years, you've got a 200,000-mile car that you still owe $20,000 on. And you've got to go back now and get another car or start borrowing money to pay to have that one fixed and put a new engine in it or whatever. Do you understand? You are a consumer. Most of us do not have the understanding that, yes, you can get out of debt. 
in time if you're disciplined with time, if you're disciplined with that. It's difficult to be able to many times be able to say, we're not buying something, we have to go invest or, 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 or spend this much or put it on this long of a payment or do this. Don't get me wrong. You can't just go pay for a house. You may have to put that on a thing. But every time we go, I'll just get gas. Let's just put it on the credit card. Well, now you've paid for that gas three times. Here's a novelty. If you ain't got gas to go somewhere, don't go. But see, we don't understand time. And we wake up more stressed about our time. We can wake up more worried about our time. We work with more time. We spend more time working, more time worrying, more time doing, more time, and, and we have less. Now I ain't got time to preach all this. I'm just, just flashing that at you. So let me give you a definition for opportunity. Opportunity equals the life blocks. Every opportunity in your life is, look at it like a, you ever, anybody young ever play with building blocks? You try to stack them as high as you can. Well, if you want to get as high as you can in life, you're going to have to see every opportunity that comes your way as a building block to get you to the next place. And eventually it gets high enough to where you've reached your destiny. What we do is we sit there and just look at our destiny, and while we keep looking up at our destiny, our opportunities keep passing us by. And then we wonder why God never let us get there. And he said, I kept sending things, but you wouldn't step up on this. And, and then I sent you something else, but you wouldn't step up on this. And so the Bible says we don't just achieve it. We move from glory to glory to glory to achieve what God intended for our destiny. So opportunity equals the life blocks in which destinies are built on. All right? If, if you lack opportunity then, if you, if you do not spend your life looking for opportunity, but you spend your life looking for destiny, you will miss your destiny. Because you do not find destiny... You find the building blocks of opportunity that leads you to your destiny. I know I'm teaching this, but I, I need you to grasp this. So what's the next opportunity? So then understand it this way. Opportunities are all along your life's journey. All along the journey that God has for you. He has said, I have set up opportunities and people say, well, I don't, I don't really like that. I don't like opportunities. Well, most people don't. You have an opportunity this morning to be in church. You have an opportunity. Now, what are you doing with it? Are you taking notes? Some of you know, by tomorrow, you'll forget everything I said. You've wasted your, you've wasted your time. You've wasted your opportunity. But we don't see it that way. But in your life, opportunities are constantly coming and if you don't like opportunities because they are disguised in overalls it looks like work opportunities comes disguised as work man well, hey we can do this I don't want to do that that's not what I want 
But the Bible says whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your... Because what it's doing is it's testing you. Can you build the building blocks to one day have destiny? So let me, let me see if I can show it to you this way. Anybody, anybody like All Seasons? Wonderful. All Seasons is a wonderful place. Man, look at what we have. We're not getting rained on. We've got room. We've, we've got lights. We've got all this. But let me tell you something. All Seasons was built on the building block of Bank Street. See, all seasons could never got here without there first being a bank street and 30 people and people selling peanut brittle and people doing all that they did to build a building block that got you to where you are today. Oh, I'll even help you more. Even before there was a bank street and there was a group of people who wanted to see souls saved and they had a desire and they built just this little started having church in a house. Think about it. They took theater chairs and put it in a house. The family slept in one area and there was chairs bolted to the living room floor and that was the first church that was in Forest, Mississippi. Let let me help you a little bit more. Before that, before there was a church, before there was anything, there was a traveling revival through the church of God and, and, and different preachers and one of the stops along the way was Forest, Mississippi... And one of my favorite speakers of all time, Wade H. Horton, who, is, who has gone on to be with the Lord, a great overseer, uh, uh, all of these things. I've I, I always wanted to meet the man, never got to meet the man, died before I ever got. But if you look at a plaque on my wall, the man who founded all seasons, the man who founded the Church of God in Forest, Mississippi, who was the state overseer in 1962, was Wade H. Horton. So if there had not been somebody with a traveling tent that decided we need to reach Forest, Mississippi, there would never have been anybody that would have decided we need to build a little church. We ain't got money for a church. Then we'll strap theater chairs to the floor and we'll just have church here. Who decided that one day we need a building and let's just have a building. Okay, we got a building. We got 10 or 20 people coming to this little building. It's cracked down the middle. It's, it's, it's not anything anybody would ever want to be a part of, but it's the next block we've got. It's all we've got. But then one day God said, Tim Lott, I want you to go to all seasons. And God said, we're going to go there. And from that, the next building block took place. Can I tell you something? I didn't wake up one day and get to all seasons. I walked through all the building blocks of opportunities to get to my destiny. Does that make better sense? So, So understanding that is how life works. You don't just arrive... You don't just wake up one day and become manager of something. You must be willing to put on the overalls and do the work to see it done. But most of us hate work. We don't like doing no more than we have to do. And therefore we miss our opera. We know the saying, if you do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always done. So why are you complaining? I wish I'd made more. I wish you did more. (laughs) It's real simple. And so in life, this is the way it works. So number one, we need to understand that time, time is the key 
step to being able to move us forward. So procrastination, I hate to hear that word. I struggled with it when I was growing up. The first word my uncle said, you got a cure. This man who, who is lame, he's stuck in time. Do you understand? He's stuck it for 38 years. He's had this condition. Wanting, needing, looking for opportunity. This man is different than everybody else that's usually laying around here. There's a reason why Jesus walks up to him. And there's a reason why that day he gets healed. It's because his life, even though it was broken and even though it was messed up, this guy was not a quitter. He was not wasting his time. Every morning he got up, someone would ask him, what do you want to do today? Take me to Bethesda. And just put me down by the pool. You've been going there for 20 years and ain't nothing changed in your life. It's all that I got. I got no other, and I've got to be doing something with my time. I've got to be doing something that moves me forward. I've got to have something that prevents the next opportunity. And the only opportunity I got is this pool that ever so often an angel will come down and stir. And notice what the Bible was very clear. It said, at a certain time, the angel would come down. And so everything was built within a time capsule. And everything was built within this time. And some of you in this room, your opportunities will move you forward if you're willing to not waste your time, if you're willing to not just uh, just squander your time, if you're willing to be disciplined with your time, then it will be enough to move you forward in your life. There are certain things that just using my time wisely was enough. I did not need God to do a great miracle. I did not need some, some manna to fall from the sky. There were some situations and some things in my life that only me getting up and not wasting my time will cure. There's some things in your life that just doing what you're supposed to do, don't go buy the $27,000 car that you can't afford and it's going to cost you fifty, and you can't figure out why you ain't saved no money in 47 years. It's because you done paid 800000 for your house. You done paid over $2 million for all the cars you done bought. And you're broke. Because you're ignorant. You should have just bought something down at the used car lot you could afford. Paid cash for it and put the rest of it in savings. But who wants to be known for driving what you can afford? What's the fun in that, Right? Number two, you also must have a shovel. What do you mean, brother? I got out. There are some things that time, just being disciplined with my time and my effort will do. And then there's some things that just, no matter how hard I try, I always feel like I'm trying to dig it out. 
And sometimes your opportunities are going to come in the moments that you're trying to dig it out. And you're like, but, but I, I, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. Well, get to digging. Get, get to digging more. Get to doing more. Don't, well, you don't know, Brother Lot. I tried, and, and when I did that, somebody just beat me to it. Somebody, somebody in my family stole part of the inheritance. And, 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 and you know what, Brother Lot? I, have, I had an opportunity at that job, but somebody lied to the boss, and I didn't get it, and somebody else. You, you're, you let me tell you your answer? Go dig another hole. Quit whining about the one that somebody else got. Keep digging. If this guy was looking at you and you were going to complain to him like that, and you were to say, listen, I have I've tried. I know you're lame. You will understand what I'm going through. I've tried and, and tried and just never works out for me. So I've just decided just to live on unemployment and just not try anymore and just, just, just let the government take care of me. He would look at you and say, you're an idiot. Even I got enough sense to know that I, sooner or later, if I keep trying, I'm liable to be the first one in that water. That's what he tells Jesus. He said, look, for 38 years, I've had this condition. You know this. And not only that, but, but I have tried. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? His mind went straight to the next thing. I've been digging. Don't come around here talking about I hadn't been trying or I haven't been doing my best. Don't come around here telling me I hadn't been giving my all. Don't, that's what it sounded like when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? Are you just fooling around? Are you just piddling around? And that man is almost, no, I want to be made whole. Don't tell me I don't want to be made whole. Listen, I try every single time. I have them bring me to this place every day. I come every time, and when that angel moves in that water, I'm the first one trying to get up. I'm the first one trying to drag my lame legs. I'm the first one trying to roll over in that water. I'm the first one trying to get there. He said, but somebody always seems to beat me to it. Somebody that's faster than me, and somebody who has a better set of legs than me, and somebody who goes steps over me, or somebody who pushes me back. Back. And you know what? I could have done quit and gave up all these people. Maybe they're meant to be healed and I'm not. But I've done decided I'm going to keep trying to get in this water. I'm going to keep trying to move forward. I'm going to keep trying and I'm not going to quit. Let me see if I can show it to you in a story. Go with me in your Bibles to, to Genesis. Genesis 26, beginning at verse 20. I'll show it to you in this story. But the herdsmen of Ger quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sigma. And he moved from there and dug another well. Look at the person beside you and say, get your shovel out. Quit whining about where you're at. Get to work. You don't like your marriage? Get to work on it. Quit sitting there eating popcorn, watching TV, wishing it was better. Do something. Quit waiting for somebody else to do it for you. Get after it. You want a better job? Then go get more skill. 
Go fill out another application. Quit whining about where you're at. You say, bro, you're being hard. No, I'm trying to tell you, opportunity is in front of you every single day. It's, it's in front of you every single moment, and we just get, oh, so-and-so got lucky. No, they didn't. They could have stayed in bed that day. They could have tried nothing that day. They could have not answered the phone that day. They could have done a thousand things. They had a thousand choices, but they made the right choice. And he moved there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. He doesn't move so far out with nobody arguing with him about it. We don't even know. We don't know who owns that land. Ain't nobody even fighting about that land. And Isaac's like, sounds good. I'm going to keep digging until I find peace somewhere. I'm going to keep digging until I find a place somewhere. And he said, so he called it Rehoboth, which means wide space, open area. He said, that's all I need. I don't need you to fix it for me. I don't need you to do anything. Just give me a chance. Just give me an opportunity. Just give me a place. Just give me a place where God says, you got boundless opportunities. When God set me here in forest, you know what he said? He said, here is your Rehoboth. Get your shovel out, Tim, and start digging. Well, well God, I'm just going to pray every day and believe that you're going to just bring blessing. He's like, you can pray all you want. Ain't nothing happening. Well, I'm on fast. Fast all you want. You're just going to be skinny and poor. You better get your shovel out, son. You better learn how to make peanut brittle. You better become real good at baking chicken. You better find some way and somehow. You, if you want to grow your child, hey, become an assistant coach at the baseball team down, down in the park. Do whatever you got to do, whatever you got time to do, whatever you got the ability to do, whatever, whatever, just get the shovel out to him. I've given you a wide, you know what? Nobody was fighting over forest. There wasn't nobody in the state. They done went through six pastors in six years and the, when they called me, there was nobody that wanted to come here. And I'm thinking, ain't nobody going to fight me over it? Tim, we don't care what you do there. I'm like, wonderful, because I got some ideas. Nobody cares. Even when we started building, one of the building guys came, to, and he kind of like represents the state, and he came to me, and he just said, Tim, I'm going to give you some advice. He said, what they don't know, they don't do nothing about. And I said, that's all I need to know. I just need some wide open space. I just need some place to do something. I just need some place to wear my blue jeans. I just need a place to, to drive through town in my working shorts and not worry about whether I'm Pastor Lot or who I am. I'm just here to dig holes. I'm just here to dig wells. I'm just here to do something. I'm just here to accomplish something. I don't got no dress code. I ain't got no image to worry about. I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me. I'm looking for the next sick person. I'm looking for the next broken person. I'm looking for the next hurting person. I'm looking for the the next situation. I'm looking for my next opportunity so God can bless me. Number three. The third thing, not only do you have to understand the usage of time, not only do you have to get out a shovel and work but this man had done both, and it still wasn't working. He tried 38 years. He's had this. He keeps trying to get in the water. I'm trying. 
And you're going to come along and say, do you want to be made whole? Number three, you've got to be able to see road signs. You've got to be able to see road signs. Because road signs will direct you and guide you where you cannot go yourself. Road signs will allow you the chance to correct what's been gone wrong. There's some road signs that are called U-turns. I use these all the time. I am notorious. My phone, my iPhone 4. Bet y'all don't have one of them. It'll usually tell me where I'm at when I'm about a quarter mile past it. Anybody got one of those kind of phones? I'll be driving along. You need to turn back there. And so then it says, it says it's wonderful. Rerouting. Rerouting. And finally, I just turn it off. I'm like, look, I'll figure this thing. I'm close enough now. I can figure this. I don't need you messing me up no more. And I hate U-turns. Oh, I hate them. Because you ever, you ever drive along, you pass something, and you think, oh, here's a turn. All you, and there's that sign right in front, no U-turns here. Now, you have a choice. Now, don't even want to know whether some of y'all break the law or not. There's nobody coming. But you drive to the next red light. No U-turns here. There's a reason. Because the lights change fast and some people run right. And if you ever walk up here to Walmart or drive up here to Walmart, you see all kind of wrecks all the time. There's all kind of red lights and signs and all things. But what is usually happening? Somebody's thinking, I can make it. And they done got hit in the side trying to U-turn or trying to squeeze through or take the wrong. And God says, listen to me, Tim. In your journey, every now and then, I'm going to give you a U-turn. And you're going to look around and says, well, it doesn't say I can't do a U-turn right here. I'm taking my moment, my opportunity to correct what I have done wrong. You see, we just know y'all in church. We don't know how messed up you are when you're not here. But the good news is, is that God says, I do. And I've created within your journey... Not only time, not only the ability to work and give effort, but I've also made it to where when none of that works, I can still step in and put road signs along the way that help you get back on track. I can tell you when you need to stop. I can tell you when you need to slow down. I can tell you there's danger ahead. I can give you the signs to help you navigate the road that you're on. And opportunities to correct the things that you would not get right. One of the scariest things I have right now as far as driving is if you ever leave here and you get on the interstate headed toward Meridian. When you do, it's like they decided to put the cones right where you enter into the Interstate. I don't know who thought that up. I thought somebody very brilliant must have thought this up. Some engineer who doesn't live here. 
Because you're coming off that off-ramp and you're gaining speed because you're fixed to get on the interstate. You need to get up to 60 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, there's a semi. He ain't got a choice because he's got cones. He's got to stay in your lane. And I'd like to say there's like a quarter mile of this road you can ride alongside. And finally, oh no, it just goes. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to just stop right on the side. And say, y'all just come on through. I'll get in when I can. Life is this way. But thankfully, I know what's coming. And I know what I'm fixing to have to. And I know what I need to do. This man looks at Jesus and he says, I'd love to get, I'd love to be healed. I've been trying. Doing all I know to do. And he gives him the reasons why he can't. And Jesus says something just unique at that, at that moment. He doesn't say, well, let me, let me pray for you. Let's see what happens. Jesus says, I want you to take everything that you've had, everything that you've been given. I want you to take that opportunity and I want you to invoke it one more time. I want you... According to my word, I want you to take up your bed and go home. Forget the water. Forget the angel. Forget everything else that you... I'm fixing to give you an opportunity to correct everything that's happened. And it doesn't require you doing any more effort. And it doesn't require any more time. It just requires you moving off of my words and obeying and listening to what I'm saying at this very moment. I'm giving you an opportunity. It's what I'm giving you. God gives us opportunities. That's why we invite people to church. That's why we, we, we hope that when they're sitting there with them and we got our fingers crossed like, God, please, don't, don't let them waste this opportunity. Please, Lord, let, let them get what I, I'm praying they'll get. Let them, and we're hoping that God will reach down and speak into their lives. And we're hoping that they will make the right choice and move toward God or move toward what God is speaking at that or quit what God's telling them to quit or, or stop what God's telling them to stop or start what God's telling them to start. We're hoping at that moment they won't waste their opportunity. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. So much so that it caused problems with everybody else. Because listen, it wasn't the right time to be walking. When he does this, he has to go against everything that he's learned. Time, well, you're messing that up. Effort, I can't walk. Well, we're going to erase those two and we're going to put in just one simple thing, my voice. If you can obey my voice right now, we will eradicate time and we will eradicate your effort. And we will just do it simply by my power. 
See, there's some things that, that, that I couldn't do. It, it, it doesn't matter how much I worked at all seasons, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I, I did, no matter how much time I gave, no matter how much I, I, none of that would have mattered. There's some things that God, unless he opened the door, unless God said, Tim, I'm fixing to supernaturally do something that you can't do. I'm fixing to supernaturally give you a, just a jump. I'm fixing to supernaturally give you an opportunity. And all I need you to do to receive this opportunity is move by what I'm saying. Let me see if I can explain it in a, in, a, in a different way. Go with me to Exodus, Exodus 32, beginning at verse 25. Here's what it says. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out of the entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. What in the world is going on? Well, let me explain. Levi is cursed. Aaron is a Levite. They are a cursed people. They are part of the tribe of Israel. They're one of the 12 tribes, and yet they are cursed along with Simeon. Simeon and Levi are cursed nations. Even... How can you be cursed? You're part of the family. Doesn't matter. Every time that, that Judah's group looks at them, they're like, now you know, you know that group over there, you know they, they ain't going to make it. You know that, that's, that's that cousin of ours that just, mm-mm, don't hang out with them because it ain't going to be no good for you. See, what had happened was Simeon and Levi were the two brothers who had, when Dinah had been raped. And Israel had decided, okay, we're going to try to make this right. Their father Jacob had said, look, we're going to try to make this right. Because the boy comes back and says, look, I really love her. I'm sorry. I want to marry her. I I want our people to be connected with your people. And, And they're sincere. But Simeon and Levi are enraged. They're mad. How dare they? No, we're not going to do this. And, And Jacob says, Israel says to them, I tell you what you do. If you're going to be part of our group, you're going to have to be circumcised because that's part of our our custom is we're circumcised. And so these grown men from this town, all of them circumcised themselves and on the second, third, fourth day, let's just say you're hurting. It's not a good day to be doing any work. And Simeon and Levi know this and on the third and fourth day when they are at their weakest and they know they can't fight and they can't hold a sword and they're like, baby, don't mess down. I'm just going to sit here today in a chair. They attack them and they go from house to house to house and kill every single one of them out of pure rage and anger. It's okay to be mad, but their rage created an outburst. And here's what happens. Go with me to Genesis 49 and 7. 
I'll show you what I'm talking about. Genesis 49 and 7. Israel is blessing all of his children, or he's trying to. He got some messed up kids. <laughs> he starts with Reuben and he says, Reuben, you way too lazy, dude. You just, you, 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 you know, slept with my wife, you know, my concubine and everything, and, and you can't get certain blessings. And, and then he gets to the other two. These are the next two, the two oldest, second and third. And he says, Curse be the air anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob. In other words, among all the other tribes, I will divide these two tribes and scatter them and make them useless in Israel. Simeon, by the time uh, Joshua gets to the land and Joshua is dispersing the land, there isn't enough Simeonites to be able to give them much land. And what little land they got, they lost it and end up living with everybody else. The Simeonites were just evolved into all the other tribes. They were, they were totally lost. Well, there's another one called the Levites. Now, you can't change the curse. The curse is, is that you will be assimilated into Israel. You will be dispersed. You will be lost. Well, hold on, Brother Lot. I still hear of Levites. Well, that's because of this story. Because Moses finally gets to a place, gets to the, the land where he's trying to let them settle down, and they've been through miracles. We've done seeing him... He, part the Red Sea. The children of Israel have been through all these miracles. And by now, Moses is like, good. They're, they're good. Look, guys, I'm going to go up on the mountain and talk with God, and I'll be back in a little while. And y'all just hang out. You've got food. you got everything you need. Everybody's good. But after a short time, the children of Israel decide, I don't think Moses is coming back. I think he died. I think something happened. And so they decided, they, they made up their mind that Moses is dead. We need, we, need, we need some gods to take us back to Egypt. And the, and the associate pastor, who he is, Aaron's the associate pastor. You're in charge while I'm gone. They come to Aaron and say, we need gods. And we, we need to, and Aaron's like, whoa, 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 Moses is going to be back. Moses is dead. He's not coming back. We, we need you to create. And so Aaron, being the strong leader that he is, he says, well, bring me your earrings and bring me your stuff and let's see what we can come up with. And it's so bad that by the time Moses gets back, we know what's taking place. People done took off all their clothes. They done got, they done got naked and, 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 and creating all this. I mean, people swapping keys and things like this and people sleeping in other people's houses. It was getting bad. They were having a party. And by the time Moses gets close, Joshua hears the sound of shouting and hears the sound of, and, and he says, Moses, I hear, I hear, I hear the sound of shouting. It must be a fight going on. And, and Moses says, ain't no fight going on, son. And he gets down there, and there they are trying to find their clothes and get their stuff on. And, and Moses is like, y'all have done bad. But in the middle of chaos, in the middle of dis all the chaos, listen to me very carefully. It is in the moments of your greatest chaos is the moments of your greatest opportunity. Let me repeat that. In the moments of your greatest chaos, it is also the moments of your greatest opportunity. When your family is totally dysfunctional, that's the best time to set new rules. When, when your whole life is coming apart, when, when your marriage is crumbling, it is the best time to get serious about the change. 
It's not the time to throw up your hands and say, oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter. No, no, it's the greatest opportunity you ever had in my life. My greatest opportunities always come in my greatest chaos. In fact, God creates the chaos so that he creates the opportunity. Explain, okay? Let me just give it to you a scenario. We're wanting to finish up the camp house, right? We want to finish the camp house. We want to paint it, try to put furniture, try to get all this going. Okay, oh, it's chaos. We ain't got no money for that. We don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, one of the college and career kids comes along and says, Hey, I just feel like we need to do a yard sale. Oh, just what we need, more work. Oh, time, work. Just what we need. What are we going to raise? $1,000 maybe? I mean, Lord, for all this work, we're going to get... Since the inception of the chaos... I've got everything from motorcycles donated. I've got to put them online. They're too big to sell at a yard sale. Just the other day, just yesterday or so, we had one guy, he was coming up here helping. He said, look, I've got something. I'll donate. And he had a, a bow or, or, or and this is when I'm talking about a Walmart bow. He says, here, I bought two of them. One of them worked, the other one didn't. We got that. That's got to go online. What are you saying, Brother Lot? If we had not decided to accept the chaos and live and work within the chaos, we would never be able to see the opportunity. See, you miss it. You don't like the work. And because you don't like the work, you don't understand why things don't work out for you. It's because in the middle of the work and in the confinement of time that I've got to take my time and I, got, I can't watch I Love Lucy and i got to get up and do something. Yes, you do. And in the confinement of your time and in the confinement of work and in all of that, God steps in and says, I'm fixing to give you a road sign and I'm fixing to do something that you couldn't do within yourself. And so when Moses come down and he says... This is horrible. He, he, he has one statement from God. He said, anybody that's on the Lord's side, is there anybody around here that's on the Lord's side? If they are, let them step up right now. There's a road, there's an opportunity for somebody. And you know what? Out of all of those tribes, out of all of those people, here come old Levi. Here come, hey, that's us. Look, for 10 generations, they've been picking on us. For 10 generations, they've been talking how we nobodies. For 10 generations, they've been saying, oh, one day y'all just going to be scattered among us all. Y'all ain't even going to have no land when we get to Canaan land. And they've been picking on us and talking about us and making fun of us. And this is our chance to hit the roadside. It's our chance to do a U-turn and go back to where we messed it up. It's our chance to be able to turn the tables. And all of a sudden, Levi grabs their swords and said, that's us, boys. I don't know about everybody else but this is our opportunity and they stood up and said we are for the Lord we are the ones that's for the Lord and in that day they couldn't change their curse but they could turn it into a blessing do you understand that Levi went into Canaan land and yes they did not get any land yes they went into Canaan land And they did not possess any houses. They went into Canaan land. But they became the priests. 
Therefore, in every tribe, somebody had to build them a house and build them a synagogue and provide a place for them. And in every group, there was always Levi. Yes, they were scattered. Yes, they did not. But God said, I'm going to turn it into a blessing. Simeon didn't understand it. Simeon should have stepped up that day and grabbed their swords and said, this is our chance. But instead, they just, oh, what's the use? But Levi said, today, we're not wasting our opportunity. Now we go back to that guy who's laying on a mat. And Jesus says, so you've tried? I've tried. How long have you been here? 38 years I've had this. Then i got one thing for you. Get up, take up your bed, and go home. I won't be back tomorrow. And I won't be back next week. But I'm here right now, at this moment, with this word. And I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I felt that moment that God says, Tim, next year this won't work. Next week you can't do this. Tim, if you want me to blow it up, if you want me to do it, you better have a yard sale now. You better build a camp now. But it's, God's COVID's going on. Ain't nobody even going to have camps. Don't worry about everybody else, Tim. I need you to listen to my word and believe that my word can change time. And my word can take care of all your effort. That's why he says it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. God says, in the middle of your miracles, I will give you the ability of time. All of us have it. In the middle of your miracles, I will give you the ability to do something. I don't care if it seems little or great, do something. But in the middle of your problem, when you can't go no further, the Bible says, doing all you know to do, ask whatever you will. Some of you in this room, you say, well, I've tried, brother, a lot. Good. I've been wrestling with this for years. Good. But there's never been a moment like this moment right now. And what God is speaking to you right now can change the trajectory of everything in your life. How do you know, brother, a lot? Because I've experienced it time and time again. Will you stand? To walk out of these doors today, to move towards your destiny, you must embrace opportunity. Opportunity are the building blocks for your destiny. As sure as this building, as sure as my life, Sure is everything that will be. So this morning, there's three questions, three areas in which you need to question yourself. Am I using my time? Or am I wasting my time?
Am I using my time or am I wasting my time? Some kid is in school, wants to be a doctor or something. Are you in the library studying? Are you, are you, are you doing more than everybody else? Are you, above, are you taking the time that God's given you? Are you using it or wasting it? Secondly, do you know where your shovel is? Not where your remote is. Not where your magazine that comes in every month. Not your phone so you can check Facebook and see what everybody else is doing. But do you know where your shovel is? Do you know what purpose you're working for? And you're going to keep digging until I find that place that has enough room for me. Maybe you're that person in the room this morning that says, Brother Lot, I have. I'm doing all I know to do. And good news, Jesus came by today. Jesus is in this room today. And He says, if you'll just move on my word, I'll fix what you can't. First you got to be doing, and first you got to be not wasting. But if you are, then you're a candidate for saying, God, I need something. I need your help. I need it in our marriage. I need it in my kids. I need it with, with some stuff going on at work. I need it for life. I need it through some anxiety that I'm dealing with. The doctor says I got this. and Whatever it is, doing all I know to do, ask whatever you will. If you're in this room today with every head bowed, then you're one of the three. Either you need to leave here and not waste your time, you need to leave here and get to work, or you need to come this way and say, God, I need a miracle. I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I need a miracle. If you're the one that needs a miracle, I want you right now to just step out from where you are. Don't worry about everybody else. You know, if I don't see a miracle, something, it's not going to change. Without a miracle, without a miracle, God, I'm doing my best, but I need a miracle. It's okay to ask for that. You're not a bad, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. That We're His children. Do it all we know to do. Ask whatever you will. Lord, I'm, I'm notorious for asking. I'm asking stuff all the time. If that's you in this place, then, then ask. Whatever it is, it's never too big or too small. It's the next step. It's the next opportunity that moves you to your destiny. I'm going to tell you what Jesus told that guy and God told me to tell you today. Pick up your bed and go home. While you're sleeping, I'll be fixing it. While you're awake, I'm going to be fixing it. In fact, what you're needing right now, angels are already dispatched working on it. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. What you've left in my hands today, I will not fail. 
The reason Jesus could tell him that is because Jesus had the power to say it. The reason God can speak it into your life today is because He has the power to say it. Whatever you've asked for, whatever it is you need, God has given it to you today. God has gifted it to you today. Not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, just because you're His child, just because He loves you, and just because Anything He spoke to you, He cannot go back on. He cannot lie. Father, I praise You today. I do not need right now a moment. I just need Your presence. I just need Your voice. I just need You to say it's okay. Let it be done. Let it be written in heaven. Let it be bound on earth and bound in heaven. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Look at that person beside you and say, take your bed and go home. Take your bed and go home. Quit worrying about it. Take your bed and go home. That's it. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember Jesus getting no water and pouring it on him. I don't, I Jesus just said the word. It's done. It's done. Just take your bed and go home. Well, how's he going? Don't worry about how. There's some things I don't, I don't even understand how. I don't understand how the phone call came in. I don't understand how they found my name. I don't understand how somebody found out about it. I don't know. I just know somehow God said, I got it, Tim. You can go to sleep and don't worry about it. Now, does that mean I don't keep working? I still keep working. And I, and I still keep not wasting my time. But there's some things. God's got that. Because that one's too big for me. And those are the things that we have to become comfortable at bringing to it. Will you pray with me, Father? Thank you for today. There's some people that stepped on the building block today, went higher. There's some people that gained understanding and stepped on a building block today in their time, their finances, their life, their work, their trust in you. Elijah found out when he was in a cave, Lord, that it wasn't in the storm, it wasn't in the lightning, it, it was just in your voice. When he heard that still, small voice, he knew, that's my Father. Father, today, that voice is all we need. Speak it over us, and that's enough. In Jesus' name, Amen.